With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. Where the story goes, we follow. Chris Smith on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Hey, good to have your company and plenty to get to. I've got Senator Holly Hughes from New South Wales who'll be talking to us in just a short moment. Uh, after that, I'll then catch up with the politically incorrect former nighttime radio host, Jim Ball, who's got a lot to say about two people who had too much to say on an ABC program last night. I'll leave it to Jim to throw the punches on all of that. I just want to go to an NBC News article that I came across today, and this is about the three Palestinian college students in Vermont um, who were part of a shooting by what looks like either a pro-Jewish fanatic or someone of Jewish extraction, we don't know. But we do know, according to police, that it was a hate crime. Um, at a vigil on the Brown campus today, a professor read a statement from one of the shooting victims, Hisham Awatani, a Brown student. In the statement, Awatani expressed his appreciation for the outpouring of love and prayers and made a joke about being famous, but the statement took a more solemn tone as he wrote that the shooting was part of a larger story. He wrote, this hideous crime did not happen in a vacuum. As much as I appreciate the love of every single one of you here today, I am but one casualty in a much wider conflict. Had I been shot in the West Bank, where I grew up, the medical services which saved my life here would have likely been withheld by the Israeli army. The soldier who would have shot me would go home and never be convicted. Awatani said, any attempt like this is horrific, be it here or in Palestine. Palestine. This is why when you send your wishes and light your candles, your mind should not just be focused on me as an individual, but rather as a proud member of a people being oppressed. Bashara Dumani, the Mahmoud Darwish Professor of Palestinian Studies at Brown, read the statement. He and another school employee visited Awatani yesterday in Burlington. Two of Awatani's friends, a high school classmate and his roommate, also spoke at the vigil. But what we do know is that one of the three victims, they're all alive, one of the three victims is going to um, have to deal with some serious spinal injuries. Um, the man who has been arrested and charged um, did not apply for bail, and he is still in custody, obviously. Um, but the Brown University, as you could imagine, is in a state of shock, and counselling is being offered to those who were on the campus at the time. Uh, quite bad, bad repercussion of what is going on in uh, the Middle East at the moment. Um, beyond all of that, there are some interesting developments that I think we should also look at. Um, and this comes from the Telegraph in London. And it tells you that there are 
there is one get-together, one rally coming up this weekend, which might be a first in the world. But on Sunday, thousands of lanterns will be lit in London commemorating those who have died in the Hamas-Israel conflict. But they will feature bereaved Israeli and Palestinian families being together. They will march together as part of an anti-hate vigil on Sunday. I don't know whether that's occurred anywhere else in the world. Gee, it'd be good if it could. And it would be good if a vigil of this nature could be a fillip for similar vigils and rallies right around the world. Relatives who've lost loved ones in the conflict between Israel and Palestine will warn that their bereavement cannot be used to promote hatred. The event is called Building Bridges Together for Humanity, and it will take place in central London and involve thousands of lanterns being lit to commemorate those who have died in the conflict. I think this is amazing. I think this is absolutely amazing that you would have families from both sides of this conflict in the UK getting together to plead for one thing, which is peace, an end to the conflict, and an end to the violence. That's occurring in London on Sunday, and I hope this leads on to similar rallies right around the world. This is TNT Radio. Keeping the commitment 24-7. I come to you for facts. I really appreciate what you and your team do. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. I've got a Liberal Party senator for the state of New South Wales on the line right now. Holly Hughes, welcome to TNT Radio. Afternoon, Smithy. Uh, it was a very, very busy today in the parliament. It seems as if uh, with you all back in uh, in the property, there were all sorts of functions and caucus meetings and even meetings of Israeli families going on. Look, every day is a busy day here, but the final few weeks of Parliament are always sort of on a next level. Right. Um, but this morning, so every Tuesday morning, um, regardless of sitting weeks, we have across the parties, our different party meetings. Labor has caucus meeting. We have our party meeting. Uh, that happens every Tuesday. But earlier this morning, uh, there were a group of us from uh, Labor, Liberal, the National Party and a couple of crossbenchers that came to meet with a number of Israeli families who have family members who have either been killed or have been kidnapped by Hamas during the October 7th attacks. So it is just, uh, it was, honestly, there's times in this place that you hear things that are just beyond words. I mean, it was horrific what we were told, what we were shown this morning. There were actually videos uh, one of the friends of Noah, who was the girl that everyone I think would remember that was seen right. on the back of a motorcycle. Yeah. Uh, two of her friends were with the group that came out and spoke to us this morning uh, and seeing some of that footage again, it was just harrowing. Uh, plus, we also had out the front of Parliament uh, Bring Them Home, which is an Israeli group, of, uh, and they had cutouts of everyone who has been kidnapped and uh, there were stickers placed on those today who have been returned. Unfortunately, there's far few two stickers that were going up uh, yeah. on those those Israelis that are missing. And, you know, one included the 16-year-old brother of a girl we heard from this morning uh, who was with his mother and his sisters and was taken by Hamas. For some reason, they didn't kill uh, his mother and sisters. They were all left. They only had three spots in the back of the ute, but they put three boys, men in, 
but one was a 16 year old boy and they don't know where he is just awful mm. you know the whole i said this to my guest in the first hour natalie the whole trickling of freedom you know the trickle of captives that are now being released it's so agonizingly slow when you consider mm. there are probably 158 still underground yeah and, we, and they don't know where they are at all and and we were talking about it this morning that uh the red cross has been implored through the with the un to try and get some qualification from hamas where you know that the hostages are okay that they're able to be visited by the red cross uh, yet there's been absolutely no action on that front. Yeah. They must be, um, you know, they might feel safe in this country, but they just feel absolutely torn and twisted by what's occurred. How are they even holding up? Well, I mean, they're extraordinarily strong people, but, you know, I don't know how safe they do feel here, and it's a horrible thing to say, but True. we have seen an escalation of anti-Semitism, not only just here but across the world, I mean, I cannot believe, is no one a student of history? What happened in the lead up to World War II was was rife anti-Semitism. Mm. Uh, and it was actually, uh, for those of us that studied history, know that it was met with a bit of reluctance by the rest of the world, a bit of, oh, well, it's just happening there, we'll just sort of leave it alone. Uh, you know, it's scary to think how close it is that historical events may be repeating themselves. So there is, uh, I think, a genuine fear. I think there's, I mean, I, I, frustration's the wrong word, but as one of the Israelis I spoke to today said to me, you know, imagine how it feels to have your family members go through what they went through at that film, at that music festival, and then to have Hamas propaganda out there saying it, it wasn't them, it was the IDF in helicopters. I mean, it, it's just out and out lies. Mm. Uh, and yet there are some, and even in the media, who perpetuate these complete fallacies and lies put forward by Hamas. Yeah. Can I ask you this? You said that this was a cross-party meeting with Israeli families. Mm. Did any member of the Greens turn up to meet these Israeli families? No. None? The Greens' behaviour has been absolutely appalling on this front, absolutely beyond comprehension. Foul. Just oh, they're disgusting. They, they don't live in the same world as the rest of us. They so don't. They so don't. Anyway, let's move on. A news poll survey reveals that 60% of the 35 to 49 cohort, which is regarded as middle Australia, are now saying they're worse off now than they were two years ago. Meanwhile, the new NAB survey has revealed that nearly half of all adults are experiencing some form of financial difficulty with hardship levels at record highs. Is it any wonder Labor is free-falling in the polls, Holly? Look, I've got to tell you, the only thing I'm shocked about with that number is that it's only 50% they're finding it financially yeah, tough at the moment. Point. Because I I cannot find anyone who says that they are in a better they are better off than they were 18 months ago. And I'm talking about, you know, all sorts of people that I meet across the socioeconomic spectrum. Uh, you know, you have people that um you know, from from Western Sydney, Northwest Sydney, that are finding themselves, you know, battling with you know two kids, mortgage, having to find an extra twenty five thousand dollars a year on an average size mortgage. But you go into even some of the wealthier parts of Sydney, and you know they've got bigger mortgages. Yeah. Now you know there's their choices that families have made. I'm not you know saying anything, but 
you know, these these families have put their kids into schools, they've got private school fees, their mortgages have gone up, their repayments by in some instances over 50% in the last year. This is a huge amount of after-tax income that families are going to have to find and are having to find. And it, it, it is absolutely across the economic spectrum that people are finding it tough at the moment. So I, the only figure that surprised me, as I said, was that it was only 50% that said they were feeling the pinch. Do you think the knives are out within the Labor Party? Like they had a caucus meeting, as you pointed out this morning. Mm. I could only imagine the death stares from MPs who are looking at these numbers and thinking, don't tell me we're going to be a one-hit wonder, a one-term wonder here. What are you doing about the cost of living, Albo? Well, obviously I wasn't in their party or in their caucus meeting, but uh, I can tell you how they look sitting in the Senate. They don't look like a particularly buoyed mob at the moment. They're, uh, They're clearly, you know, reading and seeing what everybody else is. I understand there's been some reports this afternoon that Jim Chalmers has promised crisis talks with backbenchers who are concerned that their $23 billion cost of living plan isn't cutting through. There you go. Um, And no wonder it's not cutting through. Most of it is absolute insanity that has had zero difference to inflationary pressures, has done nothing. You know, they had a one-off energy hit to only a certain number of households, particularly those on welfare payments. Uh, it was a sugar hit. It did nothing to reduce energy prices across the board, and there's still no answer for that. Um, you know, they keep talking about the Medicare rebates that they've, you know, they've the more bulk billing in Medicare. And every time they announce it, the AMA come out the next day and go, well, yeah, look, we're going to get more money, but we're still going to charge a gap. So, mm. you know, the, the things that they've done, they're just not hitting. And I think no. it's because they're putting they're putting the money in the hand of the provider a lot of the time. And so, you know, the, the providers then take that money and then just put their prices up. Yeah. You know, and Very that's true. medical, childcare, you name it. Yeah. And in terms of this, you know, the business you rightly pointed out, you know, the $23 billion and et cetera, et cetera, most of those measures were just chasing their tail. Uh, similarly to the gap, you know, that doctors will charge, you're chasing your tail. You're not actually making a significant difference. And the problem Australia has is about productivity. There is nothing this government has done to do anything for productivity. As a matter of fact, all of the all of Labor's wage rises have only created a negative productivity uh, aura or culture in the workplace. They've just decreased productivity and they've done it again, you know, a high spending government, but they've cut spending on infrastructure. Yeah. And the thing is, this was produ- productivity boosting infrastructure. Yes. This is infrastructure that would have actually made a difference to people's lives. Yeah. And the thing is, some of the cuts that they've made, and we'll have a lot more to say on this, it's actually out of the terms of reference of the projects that they've cut because they were supposed to be reviewing projects in the planning stage. They've now come out and cut projects that are underway. Right. Uh, so some of the roads out in Western Sydney going to the new airport, they're actually halting that project, even though it's already under construction. You guys so, need to get stuck in over that. Oh, look, there's Bridget McKenzie is absolutely leading a fantastic uh, fight on that and is continuing to do so because they announced there were 82 projects being cut, but the document that was given to reporters on the day of the press conference only had 50 so, you know, we're still chasing documents. We're still chasing information as to what actually the whole lot looks like. I thought this was the transparent government, but anyway. Oh, God, no. They don't know what that word means. No. They, they are literally the direct opposite of that. They have just a complete 
opaqueness to them that's it is just quite frustrating because at any opportunity they will block transparency they will block visibility and more times than not in the senate they're being backed by their uh partners the greens Mm. and the mob are reading this have a look at the polls i've got to go to a quick break holly we'll be back in just a second with senator holly hughes on tnt radio Jeremy now on TNT Radio. Being South African, I'm, I know the situation and it's incredibly dire. Basically, our farmers, mostly white, have been under attack for years and years and years. And when I say attack, I mean that physically, don't I? Yes. Um, since the dawn of democracy in South Africa, since 1994, we had an average of uh, one farm attack every second day. Um, so it averaged is around uh, 175 to 190 farm attacks every year and we had a farm murder on average every fifth day um, but over the last few months both of those numbers have picked up murders in other sectors of society are not accompanied by the same levels of brutality and torture as you will find in farm murders. Jeremy Nell on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Affordable housing, we can build that. Sustainable housing, we can build that. At MIT Modular, we understand the importance of housing for all and the importance of design, cost, and functionality. Our goal is to meet the needs of our growing population by converting shipping containers to livable units. If you're like-minded and in a position to invest in something meaningful and life-changing, we want to hear from you. We are a team of professional architects, engineers, and financial and tax experts dedicated to offering unique solutions that provide a brighter future. Our Opportunity Zone Fund offers investors both real estate and operating business diversification five-year tax deferral on capital gains, annual tax benefits, and ultimately tax-free appreciation potential. There are opportunity zones all over America. If you're interested in learning more about our services, need affordable housing, or want to participate in creating a new vision for tomorrow, give us a call in the U.S. on 385-985-5702 or read more at MITModular.com. MIT Modular. We can build that. Internet. Internet. A stream online. TNT Radio. Live. Today's News Talk Radio. TNT. I've got Senator Holly Hughes with us right now, who stepped out of Parliament to speak with us. Well, it didn't take long, Holly. One of the freed criminal detainees who refused oh. to wear a monitoring device, mind you, I didn't know they had a choice, has not reported to police, has vanished. The mob will not take to this very well. I mean, what an absolute disgrace this whole thing has been. Ever since the High Court put out its ruling, we had on the first day uh, the minister that was acting and holding that portfolio in the Senate said that, oh, we won't be releasing anyone until the High Court releases its its reasons. They had to come back in the next day and say, oh, well, actually, no, we're releasing them from today. And then we had the Immigration Minister and and Claire O'Neill, the Home Affairs Minister, out there saying, you know, we can't do anything, there's no legislation. And it really was Peter Dutton in the last sitting period that put together, you know, that said, actually, if you can't legislate, what's the point of government? That's the whole point. And the fact that this government was caught completely flat-footed, I mean, 
Any basic risk management strategy would tell you if you're having a law challenged in the high court that you would have legislation ready to go should mm. the decision oh. not go your way. And it took these guys uh, around a week to get anything happening. I mean, it was just appalling. The thing about this guy that's gone missing, so there's four that have allegedly refused to put on these electronic monitoring anklets, but uh, the one that's gone missing, no one knows who he is, no one knows what state it happened in, no one knows what he's been convicted of previously. There's absolutely no information. So no one knows who they're looking for. Don't tell the public, don't tell the public, they have no right to know the truth. This government does not seem to understand that at the very heart of its responsibilities, the key responsibility it has is keeping Australians safe. And it is failing on every metric in this level. Uh, and they are just so consumed by, A, their own hubris, but their inability to act, they, they just honestly have no idea where to go. But, you know, normally, and, you know, you're talking to someone with about 40 years' experience in the media, when someone goes missing and doesn't report to police and is a serious offender or is, say, an armed robber that's got out of jail or whatever, you send the media details of the person you're looking for so that the public can help the police and law enforcement find that individual before they commit another crime. Why would yep. they not do that now? Excellent question. Oh, that is the normal way it works, and I don't get it. This is just, you know... Don't look, don't don't allow the plebs to see because we can't be transparent because we'll just be shown up even more. That's what it's, this is about. It's it's really disgusting behavior. Oh. And that and they are putting the community at risk uh in a way that is completely unacceptable, yet they refuse to take any responsibility whatsoever. And this business about four don't want to wear bracelets. I'm sorry, they are not citizens of the country. They're here illegally. They were detained for very good reason. They don't have a choice, surely. Or what did we do? So. We sent we sent in the public servants who said, "Oh, boss, they don't want to wear the wear wear the uh, uh, bracelet I've given them." Oh, well, you better just let them go. Like seriously, it's it's beyond words. They're just an absolute disgrace. This government, and they should be a one term government. This country cannot afford to have this lot of clowns running the show for much longer. Yeah. Now, the largest study into the reasons behind the voice referendum result has found the model put forward by the Prime Minister was a key reason for the failure. The ANU findings showed that 87% of Australians still want Indigenous people to have a voice. That's how bad the model was, Holly. That's how bad the Prime Minister was at selling what was his main ideological yes, agenda. that's what this shows. I mean, just if you've got 87% of Australians who say <laughs> this is what we actually wanted... <laughs> but you ended up with 60% of them saying no. Yes. You know, he's therefore got 47% of people who were a yes have gone, yeah, but you are a Muppet and I yeah. cannot understand what you're trying to sell me. Yeah. This sounds like a pup. I'm going to vote no. Yeah, yeah. That's they were too smart by half at the beginning, Holly, when they said we'll just sell them something that's not confined, that's not definitive, and they'll, they'll tick off on it. Come on. It's the contempt with which this, this government treats the Australian oh. population, and, and it is with complete contempt. The only people they govern for is their union mates, and the rest of Australia, they consider them mugs, and if they don't just do what they're told, well, you know, that we all got it wrong because they still think that they're in the right.
Yeah, and there were other reasons for the failure. The failure was um, the fact that all of a sudden we had one race with the right to have a say, and it looked as if they were going to have a say about everything. Plus, there was that fear of being connected to a treaty, which equals reparations. None of that was defined. They kept yelling and screaming, oh, you can't talk about that because it doesn't include that. Well, your Attorney General told us in August it did. You've <laughs> shut him up since August, so that tells us that is dead set what it's about. Oh, and half of the constitutional experts that came out and spoke about it said exactly those things, that it had a huge remit, that it was completely ill-defined, that there was an inability to really decipher where it was going to end and start and who was actually going to be impacted and what would be the ramifications for this truth-telling and treaty. I mean, it's it, they just, it was a complete hash from woe to go led by the Prime Minister. And so the the... It all lays at his feet. It does. And you, you you think back to when Brexit was passed, only narrowly, but still passed. Mm. David Cameron pulled the plug and walked. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, look, that would that would assume a level of decency that people in this government seem to be completely devoid of. They yeah. they don't have any acceptance of their own errors. If they make a mistake, it wasn't their fault. Everybody else got it wrong. So, you know, that's that's expecting that these people have a level of humility that just does not exist within them. You know, I thought that we'd eventually find out the true DNA of a Labor left-leaning, very left-leaning Prime Minister. Uh, probably in the beginning of a second term, I didn't think that implode this early. Here we are. That's exactly I mean, you know, what they've done. Wait, we're going into Christmas. You know, you should never say that they can't recalibrate, but I think it's a big ask. Mm. Now, I've just noticed bells are ringing. Okay, so I'll let you go. Great to I'm have you on the program. Thank you. New South Wales Liberal Senator Holly Hughes with us there. Fantastic to have her on the program. Thank you, Jason, for your email. I didn't get to this email. I, I knew you sent it, but I just didn't get to it. This is fantastic, he writes to watch your show on TV, Chris. I love it. Well, see, that's what you can do because it's video streaming. That is streaming on our app, tntradio.live. That is streaming on X, streaming on Facebook, streaming on Rumble, streaming on Odyssey, streaming on more and more streaming services each and every day. You can actually mirror that or even use YouTube on your smart television and see it on the television if you wish. And if that's what you're doing now, Hi, it's fantastic to have your company. Let's get a news break for you on TNT Radio. Now, TNT Radio News. You are completely obsessed with breaking news. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. Tech tycoon Elon Musk has caused a stir after making the trip to Israel where he met with Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and appeared to back the country's bombardment of Gaza. A former White House doctor who has taken care of three past presidents has sounded the alarm over the health of Joe Biden, who turned 81 last week. And North Korea has deployed soldiers and heavy weapons at guard posts near its border with South Korea after ripping up a 2018 joint military accord with its southern neighbour. The common housefly, caught in the clutches of the spider's web. Every move it makes just makes matters worse. Then, dinner time. Feast on the captivating stories, videos, and helpful information on our website. Oh. Dinner's ready. Oh, man. Escape is futile. Just one more video. Get stuck in our web. TNTradio.live.
Hey, good to have your company. Interesting comments on our chat box, which you can be part of. You can log your chat, you can log yourself on and off you go and chat about the issues that come up on the radio station. Well, uh, one here from Pelly, and he talks about having more politicians, which is a subject I'm about to speak with Jim Ball about. And Pelly says, more politicians, six exclamation marks. Um, what the F, the ones we have now don't do enough to earn their keep. That's all we need. More bureaucrats bludging off the public teeth. Time we change the rules. Politicians only with experience in non-public life can become ministers. See, the mob don't get that you can be a lifetime politician or advisor, never have a real life experience and end up running a portfolio that impacts 28 million people. And that is a very, very reasonable thing to worry about. I would have thought. Uh, the nation's business leaders, political elders, academics, media chiefs and uh, legal minds have led a role, could have thought. Uh, the nation's business leaders, political elders, academics, media chiefs and uh, legal minds have led a role call of Australians today, signing an open letter calling for an end to the alarming rise of anti-Semitism in Australia. You may have picked up what was published today. It was a double-page advertisement in newspapers across the country, including the Australian newspaper, pleading for compassion and tolerance to prevail. I don't care what side of this debate or conflict you are on. If you don't think we need compassion and tolerance, I'm sorry, you are the problem. That's exactly what we need. And we don't need more bombing and we certainly don't need Hamas anywhere near the Palestinians because they've done nothing for them. But uh, there were 300 signatures on that double page spread. And you can see the numbers. You can see the names yourself. But it also was headed by the former treasurer, of course, Josh Frydenberg. I've got the former nighttime king of Australian talkback radio, our politically incorrect commentator, the one and only Jim Ball with us right now. Jim, welcome back to TNT Radio. Now, hi, Chris. Uh, you can hear me all right, I hope. We had a bit of technical difficulties there. No, can I can okay? hear you quite fine, mate. Oh, good. Good, good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the just with the, the Zoom thing. Um, yeah, there's so much. Man, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a real feast. It's a, it's a real meat and potatoes period that we're living through at the moment. And it's difficult to know where to begin. So what do you yeah. reckon? Where do we start? Well, look, can New I take you to, I want to go to Melbourne Victoria. Teachers? The Victorian government yeah. has rebuked Melbourne teachers taking action in solidarity <clears throat> with Palestine after the opposition yeah. accused Premier Jacinta Allen of going soft on striking students. The unions love using schools to ram home political policies, don't they? Uh, all the time. If it's not nuclear or Trump <laughs> now, and th this is a new one. This is the, the latest uh, topic du jour. The rampant um, unapologetic anti-Semitism, basically what it is, what we're seeing right now, right around the world, is a normalization of anti-Semitism. That's what the, the Hamas shock puppets here in Australia and elsewhere, that's what they're trying to do. And people who would have kept their head down they're just unashamedly, uh, they've just unashamedly unleashed this anti-Semitism since October 7. What the coronavirus was uh, to 2024, that's what it is. It is a virus, that, that's what that the coronavirus of 2020, rather, of 2020, is the anti-Semitism virus of uh, 2023, 24. 
and it's a virus every, as we're seeing, every bit of and just as deadly to the community. It's a mind virus, to be sure. It's a virus of the mind. And up until recent years, there was a, a certain area of life or areas of life that you just, I don't know, didn't venture into. And anti-Semitism was one of them. But I think it speaks uh, volumes about how the guardrails and what constitutes acceptable behavior and acceptable beliefs have been gradually whittled away and now there are no standards. Everything's been totally demolished and people just come out and say what they like. They've got, they're totally uh, devoid of any filters. And what was once verboten is now, in some circles at least, acceptable. I mean, yeah. like I said, some people have no filters at all, no shame, and aren't the slightest bit embarrassed for ignorance and their uninformed views. And I don't know, I think it's just starting to dawn on the average Australian that all the institutional organs of influence, like the mainstream media and the education profession in this case, and many of those in the teaching profession have been successfully recruited, infiltrated by the hard left. And this is not new. They've been at it for decades. I mean, the ABC, that's been undermined since I think it was 1964. And I've got the guy's name somewhere in my files who started all of that. Alan Ashbolt, I think it might have been. Look what, think, look what teachers have done in terms of climate change, a one-sided view of the most important energy-based yep. issue that those children will face. That's right. That's right. And look, um, I've lost my train of thought. <laughs> I, think, I think people find it infuriating, whether it's the ABC journalists or teachers, uh, both funded by taxpayers. And what they find infuriating is that government particularly uh, the Liberal Party, who you'd expect to do something, state and federal, do absolutely yeah. nothing. They yeah. talk up a big game, but they do nothing when they've got the opportunity. So Correct. in that sense, it's good to see the Labor Party Premier in Victoria coming out and condemning that action as quote-unquote inflammatory and divisive and that it will only seeds, uh, sow seeds of disharmony. But yeah. what does, and here's the question, what does such condemnation uh, what does it mean? What does it look like? We often hear about people being censured. And I'm thinking, well, okay, well, what does that mean? What, <laughs> does it mean detention for 10 minutes at lunchtime? What the hell does it mean? I don't think it means anything, to be honest, uh, whether it's censure or whether it's, uh, it's condemnation. Words have got to be backed up with, ec uh, with action. And the politicians want to be taken seriously. You know what they want to do? I've seen about this. I believe in a bit of domestic stuff here. I've just been down to Bunnings in the last hour to get some screws. And I'm just thinking, you know, the penalty for this sort of thing, both well, for the teachers and with parental permission, the students should be to force them to sit through that 45-minute body cam video shot by Hamas. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you've, you've probably heard about it. We've all seen the odd 60 seconds, two-minute babs here and there. That's bad enough. But this 45-minute thing is the full Monty. Yep. And if teachers still hold their views at the end of viewing that, they still hold to their views, they should be dismissed, just as you would dismiss a pedophile. from yep. a, uh, Keep them away from kids because they're a bad influence. Um, these, this issue, uh, this topic, if you like, is uh, no area for the casual, I don't know, drive-by opinion. And, well, it seems to me that the entire Israeli-Palestinian matter has uh, what's devoted to uh, 
or devolved rather, into uh, one of those theoretical, I don't know, red team, blue team, your team, my team things. Like, it's very well to kick this stuff around in the professorial lounge at the universities and the faculty lounge and the lunchrooms at school, but we're talking serious, serious stuff here and the, uh, the harmony of the society. And the thing is, it's anywhere and everywhere there's a captive audience. Get on yeah. a Qantas plane, you get the welcome to country. The yeah. Sydney Theatre Company, a, com- a company the other night, they got the welcome to country at the beginning, political statement, bookended by this demo for, at the encore, the official encore of the opening night, this demo for the Palestinian course. So the event was bookended both sides by political statements. Uh, and of course, the irony being, and as somebody pointed out in a, a letter in the Australian today, that audience on Monday night, and even a, a passengers on a plane, they get no warning, or planes you do now because you know, but those people the other night, they had no warning, they had no choice. Like the captured Jews from Israel, that audience were hostages for yep. the message. They, yep. they, just think about that. The production was bookended by Welcome to Country, at one end and the back end, the Palestinian demo. And that's where we're at. The, and the, these people, they'll step up there on the stage or uh, on the stage or wherever in the classroom and they've got no, they've totally no filters, no breaks, no guardrails. Yeah. As, I, as I mentioned, Jim, climate change is another one that teachers should yep. hang their head in shame about oh, when it comes to instruction to children. But Climate change minister Chris Bowen is facing a bit of a nuclear ambush when he turns up to uh, COP28 in Dubai next week um, because Labor has this renewables-only vision, um, which, as one commentator mentioned today, is isolating Australia as an international outlier because you've got... You've got um, senior people associated with COP28 who are saying uranium, or should I say nuclear, is the baseload power answer for the future. Well, we don't yep. want to. We don't want to venture uh, into the nuclear sphere. We look like a primitive juvenile backwater in the Pacific Ocean somewhere. And Labor wonders why their polling is where it is. Look, yep. Chris, Chris Bowen reminds me of one of those Paulian. Uh, road to Damascus religious converts and they take up the new cause with the zealotry of a Bible-thumping missionary uh, out to change the world one heathen at a time. Nuclear is to Bowen what, uh, what was his name? Uh, Lex Luthor is to Superman. Or it nuclear is. is his kryptonite, if you like. Kryptonite. But it's, yeah, it, it seems that he's about to get, as you said, mugged by reality, that uh, there's uh, no way Labor can possibly reach their net zero targets or its goal. I think it's 82% of renewables by 2030. 2030 is, uh, what's that, seven years away. Oh, six years away almost, right? And they can't do that and keep the lights on without baseload of some kind. And if they're serious, that means nuclear. Again, the rabbit convert has become uh, irrational and totally deluded. Climate does that to people. Just as Albo saw, see, I think about this, Albo saw the voice as his signature program yep. that would etch his name indelibly in history. His legacy. Bowen, his legacy. Bowen believes the same. This is his come to Jesus moment. Uh, and he thinks that <laughs> his come to Jesus moment lies in the Shimmerer 
and the unicorns of renewable energy. It's his very own fantasy project, and sane or wiser minds need to talk him off the ledge, to be honest. Uh, and now we learn that he's facing this, uh, I don't know, ambush or whatever you want to call it in Dubai next week for the next, I think it runs for 12 days to the 12th of December. And it's finally dawned on uh, Australia's allies that nuclear is the only sensible path forward, as you pointed out. And of course, we all say, well, yeah, what took you so long? Mm. And Bowen has argued, his, his argument has always been, oh, well, uh, it'd be too expensive, it'd take too long, that we'd be starting from scratch. Well, funny how that fallacious argument about starting from scratch applies to nuclear, but not to wind and solar. Both Correct. started from scratch and only in recent years at that. But Chris, um, I just want to make this one point, a further point, uh, and a broader point on, the, on energy generally. We need to be constantly reminded that Western civilization and our society and the opportunity that it's afforded us over the last, I don't know, 150 odd years has built on the back of cheap, abundant and reliable energy. And what the climate cult wants to impose on us is that they want, by design, for your energy to be less reliable, less abundant and more expensive. And apart from flying in the face of reason and logic, just think about how anti-human and how twisted that is and what it yeah. says. It says, yeah. it says the dollars in your pocket that you were planning on your health, your housing, your retirement, your education, I don't know, upgrading your personal life, maybe a baby, a new car, uh, renovations, whatever, the government's going to deprive you of that money and those benefits and upgrades to your quality of life to deliberately degrade your quality of life yeah. and have you pay more for something that is not reliable, yeah. uh, not available when you need it. Australians should be infuriated at the direction they are taking this country in this issue. Yep, yep. When Look, when you strip it all back, that is what they're promising. Energy that's not reliable or available uh, when, you, when you need it, it's not abundant and it's not cheap. And just, yeah. just one more thing while I'm on a roll here. Um, the, one of the nuclear arguments, to, to wrap it up in some context, one of the nuclear arguments is safety, oh, nuclear is unsafe. Well, worldwide, worldwide, 1.4 million people die annually in car accidents, 2.3 million in work-related accidents, and yes. 4.2 million from air pollution. Deaths yeah. directly related to nuclear power, yeah. less than 200, not annually, but in the entire history of the nuclear power industry. Great that stats. Includes, that, includes, that includes the Three Mile Island incident in 1979. It includes Chernobyl in 86. After Chernobyl, but after Three Mile Island, they said the radiation was no, was equivalent to that of a chest X-ray, right? Mm. And Fukushima in 2011. Fukushima was, well, they built the damn power station in a country close to the water that was uh, subject to earthquakes and therefore tsunamis. Yeah. And that Ridiculous. was why that happened. But there you go, Chris. I'm sorry. I, 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 I get wound up with this stuff. Great statistics. Uh, and great. And this is the reason yourself. why the likes of Chris Bowen and Anthony Albanese should put their big boy pants on and make proper yep. decisions about the future of baseload power in this country. I've got to go to a break, Jim. Stay right sure. where you are. There's still a couple of subjects I want to hit you with. 
and I'm sure you've got plenty to say about those clowns who turned up on ABC last night. We'll get to Jim Ball in just a second on TNT Radio. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. The biggest weather news is what is about to happen in Europe. I saw another one of those pictures of Greta Thunberg protesting today. I guess today is like week 300 or something of the climate strike where kids are allowed to be truant and, uh, you know, to protest climate. But she was all bundled up and I was like, well, wait a minute. Looks awfully cold over there. And uh, were there fossil fuels used in the making of those clothes that you have on? But I want to get serious about this. The fact that we are getting such a cold blast that is coming in and this was telegraphed with those big storms and the reason you see what's going on in the weather today is because all the weathermen start screaming and yelling about climate change instead of understanding the same thing happened in 2009 and they went into the deep freeze over there. But it's a serious situation. You know why? Well, first of all, the implications of that is that the United States is going to get very cold. Now, it's cold right now, but I'm talking about what could be really cold weather, severe cold, in the month of January. Because there's probably going to be a lot of snow in the United States during the month of December, especially after the 20th. So what we saw in 2009, 2010 was Europe got it in 2009 in December. And then the U.S. had their famous Snowmageddon. And that occurred later in January and February. It'd be a little bit earlier this year, probably, looking at the overall pattern. But think about this. You're going to get that grid in Europe tested now. And especially Germany. Germany looks like ground zero for the worst weather. The most snow, it's going to be a little bit colder relative to averages up where Greta lives. But Germany is going to be in bad shape here the next 10 to 20 days. But again, then you have to worry about the rest of the winter. You see what I'm saying? So we're going to have some things push come to shove, so to speak, coming up here over the next couple of weeks. And in fact, the next couple of months, because unlike last winter, I don't think this is backing off this year. This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog Meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got. I want to eat, eat, eat apples and bananas. I need to eat, eat, eat apples and bananas. Why can't I eat, eat, eat apples and bananas? Support the Feeding America nationwide network of food banks to help provide meals to those in need. Join us at feedingamerica.org. The voice of a changing world, Chris Smith, on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Let's get back to Jim Ball, and there's still plenty to discuss. As he said at the uh, beginning of our segment today, it's what not to touch because there's plenty around. Like most of the country, um, I don't watch Q&A on Australia's ABC, Jim, but I saw what two panellists said about the voice referendum result on the Daily Mail website today when I was scanning that source of news, and I thought, hold on a second, these two need consecutive uppercuts. Um, But one of them is a dating show host by the name of Osher Gunsberg, who I've seen around about the place. The other is an Indigenous LGBTQI Victorian government representative Tony Fernando and this is what they said about the no vote winning have a listen I don't care how you voted I have no quarrel with you but if you're not terrified of how quickly we were manipulated as a country if you didn't if you want don't want to start asking questions about who flooded the zone we need like we're really lucky 
We're really lucky that it wasn't during a khaki election. Four out of ten people are educated on this issue. That's how I see it. So if 60% voted no, we've got four out of ten who are, who are, who are there. I'll check it if you want. So, Jim, let's sum up. Gunsberg said there was some kind of conspiracy to contaminate, to contaminate the yes vote. And Fernando thinks us no voters are just plain dumb. I'll leave it to you. Yes, well, Ginsburg, who is Osher Ginsburg, that was my first thought as well, uh, but we've been manipulated, okay? The other guy basically, talk about elitism, uh, narcissistic snob, that the, 4%, the 40% were right, even though they were wrong. But look, to, here we go. To my untrained eye, I'm not a psychiatrist and I'm, I'm not a psychologist. That may surprise you, Chris. But what we're dealing with here are the screens into the void and the visceral pain of a couple of losers going through the framework of the five stages of grief. Unfortunately, uh, two and a half months on, and they're still only at stage one, which is denial. That's where they're <laughs> yes. at. They, they still have anger and bargaining and depression and acceptance to work through until they learn to live with their grief and their loss. So... If you beat the left, this is how it works. If you beat the left, right, you must have manipulated the masses somehow. But if they were to win, well, it's all above board. It's legit and not to be questioned. You see that in the American elections. Mm. Uh, Trump wins. Oh, they stole the election. Uh, Trump manipulated. He was a Russian asset, whatever, you know. So now you proffer a view that runs counter to the approved narrative. Uh, then there must be a conspiracy of disinformation and misinformation. Your argument is no longer legitimate, and neither is your win. That's the way they think. They've just got this narcissistic view of the world that they're right, and that's it. Yep. Unfortunately, with all these proposed laws that are swirling around about myths and disinformation, we're going to see a lot more of this kind of thing, I, thing I fear, this is how certain and how, again, I'll use the word narcissistic, these people are. In their mind, it's just not possible to have a better argument. It's an, it's a, really, it's quite an infantile, sick and twisted worldview. And so with it all is. of that in mind, just sniffing the electoral and referendum breeze, they had to get out in front uh, with their excuse to explain away their looming, uh, their looming loss. And I recall back in, I think it was middle of, middle of September, literally a month before the Finn Review, they had a piece on, on this and how uh, people that, that was being manipulated and propaganda and all the rest of it. So think about that. We were doing the manipulation of the propaganda and we've covered this before, despite them having the money, the media, the celebrities, and of course the government of the day, somehow they were a rascally rabbit the no vote roadrunner poisoned the well and dropped an anvil on the yes vote. <laughs> How dare he say that when you rightly point out that everything was going on their side, the money, yeah. the donors, corporate Australia, sporting Australia, uh, you name it, it, they had everything on their side and they couldn't convince Australians because Australians are smart, they're not dumb. The one thing they didn't have on their side, Chris, was logic, reason, and truth. Simple as that. Yeah, yeah. I want yeah. to raise one last point with you. A parliamentary committee examining the 2022 
federal election has called for the number of senators to increase from two to four for both territories. The final report also called for a fresh look, hang on to this, into whether the House of Representatives should be expanded to include more MPs due to Australia being underrepresented compared to similar democracies. I think this is almost a uh, rhetoric question for you, Jim. Do we need more politicians? Oh, definitely. <laughs> Look, Chris, most people's <laughs> eyes will glaze over, but but I think this has the potential to be the biggest story development in a long time in Australian politics. After all, after all, nothing quite says efficiency in delivering to the Australian people than a bloated parliament of mediocrity, mates <laughs> and time-serving hacks. Yep. I think the idea of increasing the number of MPs, I think that's a head fake, right? I think... The real objective is to increase the size of the Senate, the Labor Green left. That that's what they want, and of course, and give give them a, a permanent lock on the Senate. And as I pointed out in the Oz today, somebody pointed out the recommendations follow an amendment to Labor's national platform in August, moved by the CFMEU and the Northern Territory Attorney General uh, Chauncey Punch while the CFMEU National Secretary, Zach Smith, said Labor needed to implement the recommendations in full. Uh, so you can see where it's coming from and headed to. The answer, or the answer, the thing is that Canberra is nothing less, think about it, even look, drive through the place, it's nothing less than a wannabe Washington, D.C., and exists for no other reason. Every other town has a base of sorts. It could be rural. It could be uh, the big end of town. But Canberra exists for politics only. Mm. And just like Washington, D.C., being a town of public servants and bureaucrat, bureaucrats, it votes left. It's ground zero. In 2022, the vote was 70-plus percent for Labor and the Green left in Canberra. Uh, and, and right now, there's a similar plot in the U.S. Uh, to make Washington, D.C. and Puerto Rico uh, states as well, which would guarantee the Democrats four extra senators and a permanent lock on senatorial control. This is no different. The thing is, as I understand from uh, a brief read of Section 7, Part 2, the things I do in my spare time, um, I, thought, I thought this would be a referendum thing, but apparently not. I'll just read one, two, three lines. The Parliament may make laws increasing or diminishing the number of senators for each state, but so that equal representation of the several original states shall be maintained and that no original state shall have less than, in this case, six senators, it said at the time of the Constitution. So the Parliament can do it without anybody uh, having a say in it. And you know something, the proposal reminds me very much of the continuing campaign by teachers uh, for more teachers and more money and smaller class sizes. But the end, in the end, the result is lower quality and an inferior product. Uh, I think uh, David's little proud made the point today. What we need is better politicians, not more politicians. Yes. The, question, the, the, base, the basic question, Chris, is apart from votes on the floor uh, of the House and the Senate, what would another 24 or 25 members of the House or four to six senators, what would that add to the sum total of political debate? What would it add? Zero. Yeah. Exactly. I've got to leave it there. Run out of time. The music started in my ear. Thank you so much for your time, Jim Ball. We'll catch you in a couple of weeks if I can. Yeah, not a problem. Thanks, Chris. All right, mate. Thank you very much for that. The... Uh 
politically incorrect former nighttime talkback radio champion Jim Ball uh, saying it like it is. I love when he uh, nuts these things down and how good with the stats about what nuclear power has taken away in terms of lives when we lose lives in so many other ways. Um, get your big boy pants on Bowen and Albanese and think about a nuclear future. I've got to leave it there. I will leave you in the capable hands of Lembit Opic and we'll do it again tomorrow at the same time. This is Chris Smith on TNT Radio. Listener.